Welcome one and all to episode 161 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are, well, we're slumming it the next couple weeks with the, the final two Power Five conferences, but neither of these conferences are uh, are anything to write home about right now. Would Would you not agree with that? I think that's why they're getting poached right now <laughs> like uh, as we look at the Pac-12 and as I, I went through trying to put together the show sheet for this week it's like uh, well of course you USC and <laughs> UCLA want to get out of this conference and go to the, the Big Ten as we're looking at it from a as we do through an NFL draft scouting lens it's not up to snuff with the last with the big with you know with the SEC with the Big Ten or even really with uh, the ACC, um, where a lot of the guys we're going to talk about on this show, we might have been able to talk about on on our uh, Patreon show for the sleepers with the other conferences. So it's going to be, yeah, we we still found a lot of good names to look out for. Don't get me wrong, but it's, uh, I think the Pac-12 is a conference that's in disarray and i think that's i mean the proof's in the pudding usc and ucla are on the way to the big 10 and there's a lot of uncertainty and um still a lot of courting going on with with the other teams so Um, but i know we have a lot of uh arizona listeners to this show so uh you're get. i think people will be interested to see what we think of the players in this conference well and and it's early early but I would put the over under at first round picks from the Pac twelve as three and a half. That's interesting. I haven't looked at it even that closely, but you're going to have at least one of those players probably is going to be from USC. Um, if you think uh, Jordan yeah. Addison, who we'll get to later, is going to be a first round pick, but. Um, you might want to take the under at this point. There's some good offensive linemen. There's some good. I mean, there's some some quality players, but um, I'm yeah, not sure. It, there's a ton of first round talent in this in this conference. Yeah, and and we'll start with the North. Uh, you know, Oregon is the defending champion, but they have a new head coach uh, who was the DC at Georgia. It's gonna be really interesting with with. Oregon, because uh, Cristobal had done a little bit there, right? Well, did enough to get a sweet deal at Miami, and and their hopes are high. You know, they're a preseason top ten team according to some of the pollsters. Uh, but I, you know, to me, Dan Lanning, who, as you mentioned, you know, defensive coordinator from coming from Georgia. It's a weird fit for a team that, that's what that's I was gonna say. Known for yeah. its offense and it's it's high, you know, it's um high powered, up tempo offense. And so how's that going to play it in uh Eugene? You've got uh a quarterback competition, it's between Bo Nix and uh Ty Thompson. Bo Nix, of course, transferring from Auburn, of course. Famously, in our hot take section, uh, Jordan Palmer said he had potential to be a number one overall pick. That's 
you know, maybe now meant, the question is, is he going to win this job? Maybe he meant this year. <laughs> maybe, I mean, but what what's this offense going to look like? Are they going to keep that tradition, that up-tempo, that spread offense? We saw Oregon beat Ohio State, and they did it with a really strong running game last year. Are, is Lanning, as a defensive guy, is he going to have the offensive personnel to, to keep that kind of tradition in place? T.J. Bass is an offensive lineman. He's highly regarded. He was a JUCO transfer. 13 starts at left guard, 8 starts at left tackle. Um, they got uh, Noah Sewell, who comes from the, the, the Sewell family. Penne Sewell, of course, being a high first-round pick on the offensive line for Detroit a couple of years ago. He, uh, Noah Sewell headlines the D, off-ball linebacker. But does Oregon strike you as a team that's going to be in playoff contention? Because to me, they don't. I think this is kind of an in-between year. And that's that's always awkward for a new head coach at a program that typically has high expectations. Well, not only that, but like you said, coming off a, you know, a, a season where they were very successful, um, you know, to now have questions at well just everywhere right they i mean they, I mean, they have were and they weren't because they still didn't win the pac-12 and they you know their big game was beating ohio state on the road in columbus that's that was a big deal but um still utah comes out as the uh, pac-12 champ and goes to the rose bowl there so yeah, and they were embarrassed in the Pac-12 championship game. They lost to an Oklahoma team that was basically a shell of what it was in the right. Alamo Bowl. Um, you know, you and I have joked a lot about it. They feasted on a terrible Pac-12. Um, and, and you know, it's just it's really interesting to see them now as they head into this year You've got you like you said, you've got question marks all over. They have they have guys that are going to be very good football players and be be, you know, top seventy five, one hundred draft picks in, in this year's twenty twenty three NFL draft. But outside of Sewell, I don't know if there's a guy that's gonna go in the top fifty. Yeah, maybe Bass. I mean that's that's kind of questionable. But, um, well, and you and I talked about the Sewell thing too. Like, he's getting like top 10, 12 hype, and he's kind of an old school throwback linebacker. I mean, he's he's a guy that's 6'3, 250. He ran in the four sevens or four eights coming out, right? And so, so he's not, and he's pure off the ball, he's not a blitzer, he's not, he's not gonna, he's not gonna do a Micah Parsons and, and fill in at defensive end as a rookie. So, yeah, Oregon to me is is a uh, a team in flux, and I'm not I I don't uh, think any of us know enough about Dan Lanning to know how this is going to play out. Obviously, he's been a successful assistant and he's earned his shot. This is a big, high profile job for him, and uh, I think he's kind of like I said, I think he's in an awkward position because it's going to be like a transition year here, and uh, I think. We don't really know what the offense is going to look like. Oregon State's number two heading into, again, as we say every week, 
Athlon's rankings heading into the season. <laughs> it's uh, weird saying Oregon State's number two in this division, right? Right. So um, they have their top quarterback coming back, Chance Nolan. He's a, um, I think he's a fourth year junior, yeah, third year Pac- sophomore. I'm, I'm these not- Pac-12 teams have like really taken advantage of the COVID listings in terms of eligibility so most of them are are automatically given that 2020 year as a red shirt so chance nolan is listed as a as a red shirt junior essentially and uh coming off oregon state's coming off a seven and six season which is their best in a long time and it really says something to me that athlon has them ranked over uh washington over stanford over washington state like this this division is Oregon's for the taking. It's a layup for Oregon. If they don't win this division, it's going to be a real rough look for Landing in his first year going back to them. But Oregon State, they've got, um, you know, Nolan getting his second year as a starter. Some they're going to have there. to replace – they're going to have to replace um... – over 1,400 yards of offense because B.J. Baylor is in the NFL now, mm-hmm. I believe, with Green Bay. Green Bay, yep. They're going to have to replace their top pass rusher, um, Andre Hughes-Murray, who had six sacks last year and eight and a half tackles for loss in his in – his, I, I, I'm not joking when I say this. This was – that was – last year was his sixth year of college football. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you said it was his seventh year. And, I mean, and you know what? It might have been he. He was he. He was a freshman in 2016. Yeah. So, so yeah, sixth year. Yeah. <laughs> so you just look at it like they must have seen enough from you know other guys like uh, Deshaun Fenwick, who was a SEC transfer, who's a fifth year sophomore, and um, their leading receiver last year. Uh, what was it, Trevon Bradford? Oh no, he's gone too. He was a six-year yep. senior. But jeez, dude, I've never seen so many six-year players on one team that finished seven and six. And and yeah, so I mean, so that just goes to the next thing. Washington State's number three, and they're they're bringing in a uh, an FCS br- transfer. Yeah, an FCS transfer in Cameron Ward. Yeah. Uh, and from, he's expected to step in and start. I mean, from, we, from we've sacred talked about heart. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we looked it up. It's in San Antonio. Remember? So right. That's... And, and he had, <laughs> we, we told you guys, he has he had big numbers. He threw 47 touchdowns. He's a big kid. Um, you know, six, four, two forty ish, somewhere in that range. The draft Knicks are really high on him. We don't really know what to expect in Cam Ward making a step up into the conference, but this is a, if Oregon can't take the reins here, this is a wide open division. And I know Wazoo likes their uh, current head coach. Uh, Washington, speaking of quarterbacks, they've got a three-way quarterback competition between Sam Heward, Dylan Morris, and uh, in Indiana transfer Michael Penix. Uh, Heward was the big recruit. Morris was the incumbent. And then Penix is the newcomer uh, veteran who has a lot of starts under his belt from the Big Ten. Um, the way I see it is, is kind of like there there aren't high expectations around this Washington team. You know, they they also have a new head coach coming in. And um, 
the fact that they have a three-way quarterback competition, not really a good sign in my mind, but they do have some veteran offensive linemen in Jackson Kirkland and Luke Wattenberg, uh, their uh, left tackle and center. I've talked about Kirkland before. He projects more to right tackle or guard. Wattenberg projects right where he is at center. And then uh, the pass rusher, Zion Tupuola Fatui, he looked like he was going to be a guy. And then he's had two years just completely plagued by injuries, including an Achilles injury a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, and, Washington and both... being projected as a fourth place team. This program is a disaster right now compared to what we've come to expect from this program. Yeah. Both uh, Fatui and Kirkland are 24 year old seniors. Um, Kirkland literally just turned 24 like two days ago on July 30th. Mm -hmm. So like legit 24 year old, but more so than that, like it's their red flag injury history of like missing. And I've got uh, Zion as actually just turned 22, but he'll be 23 next summer. Yeah. 23 next summer for him. But so still on the older side where we talk about that's, you know, not going to be a first round guy. That's going to be a day two guy tops. Probably like third round. So that's something to keep in mind. A guy who early in his college career looked like he was going to be uh, an up-and-comer, and it's just the injuries have wrecked him. Cal has a transfer quarterback prospect as well, Jack Plummer from Purdue. Um, Plummer had a, an okay freshman season, enough to warrant you know coming back as a starter. Did well in three games with Purdue in 2020 in the COVID year. And, you know, he just never got on track last year. Um, only 864 yards, only only seven touchdowns in seven games, but no interceptions. They rotated All- him in, but eventually Aiden O'Connell just kind of took the job and ran with it. At first, Almost- Plummer was getting a good bit of rotation, but... Eventually, it was O'Connell's job. Yeah, and almost too conservative with the football. Like, almost, I mean, I know that Purdue offense is famous for just throwing behind the line of scrimmage or right near the line of scrimmage, but Plummer was almost, like, too conservative. Um, You know, they've lost a ton, man, between Karloftis and David Bell. It's going to be at Purdue, so heading to Cal where – there's not a ton there anyways. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if, if Plummer makes the right move. And then Stanford. I'm a little surprised. Aren't you surprised Athlon has Stanford sixth when I could easily see them being like second in this division with the guys that we're going to mention here? I just think it's interesting that David Shaw went three and nine last year. Went four and two in the COVID year, but then went four and eight the year before that. And we haven't really heard anything about his job being on the line. He's kind of like the Pat Fitzgerald of the West Coast in a way, or like the Kirk Ferentz, where he's just got goodwill and there's just, you know, there's there are academic expectations around the program. There are expectations that they're not going to be recruiting powerhouses but they still manage to pull out a competitive year every couple of years and, and pull off some upset wins. And I'm, I want to ask you again, like 
quarterback Tanner McKee. This is a a player we've seen mocked in first rounds in these uh, early mocks. He had uh, not, I think, a modest year last year, sixty-five percent completions, but uh, fifteen TDs and seven picks. Not a runner, only four rushing yards on the whole year, which tells you he takes quite a, a few sacks. But this uh, Caillou Blue Kelly with two picks and 11 PBUs last year, he's getting some run in the first round. I think I saw him in, in the draft breakdown in Kyle Krabs most recent first round box. Stanford's got some talent. I feel like they, they could be second in this division this year. Yeah, and you look at it from the draft side. I mean, McKee's going to be a 23-year-old rookie. Um, he'll be 23 on right around draft day. Um, but you know what? He's, a, he's not a bad athlete for his size at right. 6'5", 230. He allegedly was a 4'7 a, a guy coming out, I believe. You know, so he could, he could move a little bit. Yeah, at the at the opening, he ran a four nine four, and then at the twenty four seven sports college combine workouts, he ran a four seven. That's not so, bad. It, they've also got Emmett Smith's son, EJ Smith, and uh, they've also got a big, big uh, wide receiver, uh, e- yeah, I saw Elijah that. Higgins, six three two forty four. Yeah, so it'll just be interesting. You figure with. Two draftable prospects in this conference, in this division, in this conference, you would think that they'd be ranked higher. But I mean, that's what I was going to say. David Shaw, the Stanford hasn't finished inside the top 25 since 2017. I think David Shaw probably slipped Athlon a few bucks to lowball Stanford so that he can finish third in this division and look like he had a great year. <laughs> That is the North. The South is at least intriguing at the top, and then it falls off very quickly. So we're going to start from the. We're going to start. You're going to tell them when we get to Colorado. You're going to yeah. tell them what I. <laughs> well, no, we're just we're just going to start there. So we'll start All with right. Colorado, um, and that's the shrug emoji. Like I, I have no idea. Like what's going I mean, on? What do they have? The most noteworthy guys from Colorado graduated last year went to the pros or transferred like Jarek Broussard who we talked about going to uh, Michigan State to compete for that running back job so Colorado just seems like such uh you know just a destitute program right now it's just there's nothing really noteworthy about it right Carl Durrell is in his third year he's he's doing about as well there as he did at UCLA yeah he's eight and ten there uh, so he's below um, 500 at uh That almost is surprising. It, it's surprising that he's not like 2-20 and 20 with this roster. So maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. <laughs> but, you know, you look at it, Colorado, um, yeah, they just, I mean, nothing jumps off the page at you. You know, we'll, we'll eat crap if we're wrong here. <laughs> um, but. I mean, and that doesn't mean that they won't have guys get drafted. I, we're just saying, like, there's no, there's no like big names to watch heading into the season. This was one of the first teams that really kind of stumped me from a, you know, headliner draft prospect standpoint and a sleeper draft prospect standpoint. Like, I just don't see it with this Colorado roster. It looks like, uh, 
like like they they're the Rutgers of the Pac-12, and I might be shortchanging Rutgers by saying that. So um, it's like the Vandy of the Pac-12. It's just rough. It's a rough year for Colorado. I I I will be, um, you know this the landscape of this conference is going to change a lot over the next couple of years with the conference realignments. So it'll be. We'll see what happens with this. Um, Colorado is just in a, a rough transition period. And then next you've got U of A. They've got an intriguing, I guess, slot receiver. I, I don't know what where he's Slot be. receiver prospect, but he's probably going to be their main go-to guy on offense. Right. And, and Jacob Cowing, he was a UTEP transfer. He's a fourth-year sophomore or maybe a junior. I don't know. Um, but he's put up good numbers as a freshman at UTEP, uh, 31 receptions, 550 yards, three touchdowns, the COVID year, uh, 41 receptions, 691 yards. So just under 17 yards of reception for, and three touchdowns. And last year he kind of exploded 69 receptions, 1,354 yards and seven touchdowns, five total touchdowns. 20 yards a catch. Yeah. Five or sorry, eight total touchdowns, including return touchdowns. So dude is got you know he's electric with the ball in his hands uh they have a quarterback transfer from washington state Jaden delora who had a really nice season last year wouldn't you say 20 2800 yards 23 touchdowns nine interceptions i mean washington Not state Not right I, that's what i'm saying for for the pac 12 i mean it was it was basically a, a great year uh <laughs> And, and so that's what makes it tough. But you just look at it. I mean, their their starting offense is six players are either uh, transfers or f- true freshmen. So, like, that's a lot to ask of any team. Um, they're, they're in the second year of Jed Fish. Um, they went one and eleven last year, so that tells you how yeah. bad Col- that's how bad the Colorado situation is. It's uh, really uh, crazy to see this Seth, from my standpoint. When I was a young man looking to go to college, everybody that I knew I'm, I I grew up in the Midwest, as most everyone knows. Um, but everybody I knew dreamed of like going to college out on the west coast out in the west uh, arizona state was a popular place for kids from my school to apply to we were looking at schools in of course in the south as well and on the atlantic coast but it seems to me that that the pac-12 should have much easier time recruiting is it just too hot there I mean are you guys is is the 115 degree summer just getting to these kids how are more kids not it's being just, drawn to Arizona and Arizona State? Football just doesn't matter here to to the colleges, unfortunately. It's they crazy know. because the, you get a lot of good recruits from these schools, and you see them go to places like Ohio State and and Florida and Alabama and all these places. But uh, right, well, you look at it. I mean, it, 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 we're not a we're not a call or a high school recruiting thing, but like the number one recruit in the country plays in Arizona. And he's going. He's you know verbal to Ohio State, and that's like uh, Dylan uh, Dylan Rayola, Dominic yeah. Rayola's son, right? Yeah. So it's just like there's just no, 
there's no desire to be here. I mean, there's a four and a half, four, four and a half star quarterback um, at one of the, you know, local powers out here that's not giving ASU or U of A the time of day either. Like, he's going to Oregon and he was at Ole Miss this weekend. Well, you, saw, like, you saw Spencer Rattler go to Oklahoma. You saw Jack Miller go to Ohio State and then transfer to Florida. Rattler transferred to South Carolina. Like nobody wants anything to do with Arizona. Yeah. It's too damn so it's hot just, there, Seth. Yeah, and that brings up number four, ASU. ASU was absolutely Well, somebody did want to go to ASU. Well, they were just pillaged by the transfer portal. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. It's it, it was actually insane to watch happen. Um and and it tells you but a lot. But they got right? a couple of big names. Yeah, and it does tell you a lot to go from eight and five, six and three in the conference, and tied for second in the uh, in the Pac-12 South to be a team that's you know having to rely on guys like Emory Jones transferring in. Jones, obviously, we've talked about him when we talked about the Florida situation. He had a good year. I think I think he was the scapegoat for a lot of people in Florida. Um, he's a fifth year senior. I don't know if he's a six-year senior maybe no no he's, he's just a um, fifth. <laughs> but let me ask you this though is emory jones now let me quote, quote you the stats uh 64.7 percent completion percentage uh almost eight yards per attempt 19 tds 13 picks and uh 759 rushing yards and four touchdowns is he an upgrade over jade daniels you know i i feel like from a, just a pure playing perspective, he probably will be. But I do think that there's a lot of similarities to that. The expectations were so high, and then they just never lived up to him. And uh, Daniels Dan- was never, you know, he's still trying to get as big as Emory Jones. Right. I think he still weighs like 185, 90 pounds. Like he's, but he's interesting, though, he's now going to the SEC. He's, they're kind of crisscrossing paths here. And right. Jaden Daniels up, goes and he's expected to at least compete or possibly start for LSU. Yeah, and you look at it, I mean, they've got uh, Z- Zavian Valade. Zavian Valade, yep. That, you know, is, is uh, that came from uh, Wyoming. The You know, obviously, you take out the COVID year, his last two full seasons, he had 1,265 yards rushing, and then he had 1,063 yards rushing. Um, and if he played 10 games or more in his, you know, the COVID season, he probably would have had over 1,000 yards rushing. So, like, this dude's been super productive. Um, so, like you said, it's a veteran transfer-heavy group Uh that is going to lead them. And then they've got an interesting uh, draft prospect in, in Merlin Robert, Robertson. Um, they're kind of star linebacker. Uh, Ro- Robertson's like a, like a, a watered-down version of, of Noah Sewell. Same, similar size, listed at 6'3", 240. Uh, put up numbers for a number of years. He's a a fifth year senior, but he's played all four years, I believe. Yeah. Um, that he's been at ASU. So we'll see where, see how he ends up um, this year. He's kind of the only guy to know heading into the season again on, on the defensive side of the ball. And it's kind of, I kind of feel like about ASU, like I felt about Stanford and the difference is like 
Stanford, I feel like can elevate up into second place in that in that division because there's not much a, a, above them as far as where Athlon's ranking these teams. ASU's got a little bit tougher road to hoe because they've got to deal with UCLA, USC, and Utah who are, who are about to run through here. But um, I think they might be a little bit undervalued here. And they might be if if ASU had a chance to play in that other division, they might be uh, competing for second place there because I think when you look at Emory Jones, you look at Xavier Valde, and we've got a guy we're going to talk about on uh, Thursday on Patreon as well. They've got some players here that are NFL worthy. Yeah, and then you look at number three, and this is why, to your point, like you you just you don't buy them finishing in the top three you're not saying that they can't or that they won't it's just you got to see it first um you know and it starts with ucla so they get dorian thompson robinson and zach uh charbonnet back i i was really surprised to see charbonnet come back i mean i know you that's just such a it's such a fickle thing for running backs, backs, it's almost like a no-brainer. If you have a good year, you you declare. But uh, Charbonnet came back, and um, you know we'll see what happens. He, I mean, he's big guy, two twenty plus, and uh, he's gonna have. They say he's gonna have four or five speed, maybe even a little faster than that. So um, you never know how these running backs are gonna fall. It's like you said, it's fickle. <laughs> like if he if he has a, uh, a fifteen hundred yard year, that could Put him in the second round. Talk about a big wide receiver for Dorian Thompson. They got to replace their top two receivers in um, or receiving threats in Kyle Phillips and Greg Dolchich. And Dolchich was a second or third round pick, right? Uh, third, I, I believe, for Denver. Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, and but and he kinda... lit up the Senior Bowl like he had Daniel Jeremiah and Todd McShay drooling uh, that week at Senior Bowl. So Dolchich was a big time. A player, and everybody loves Kyle Phillips, even though he's a fifth-round pick, slot receiver. But um, our guy Eric Galco had high praise for Phillips throughout the Shrine Shrine Game uh, week. Yeah, and you look at it; they they do have a uh, an interesting grad transfer from Duke, Jake Bobo, who's listed at six five and two fifteen. He's a fifth-year senior. Um, you, you know, and it's one of those situations where. The numbers aren't impressive. Um, last year, 74 receptions, 794 yards, one touchdown. Only three touchdowns in his career. But then you like look at it and you're like, well, it was Duke. Like, that, that's actually... Is he related to the coach? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you gotta look so, it up. so, yeah, so you look at it, you, you've got... Um, you've got uh, question marks at UCLA... And then this was surprising, and maybe maybe they're doing this out of respect. Um, number two, USC Trojans. Obviously, you know. <laughs> I like how you said that. Maybe they're doing this out of respect. Yeah, he is and, the son of uh, Mike Bobo, by the way. Okay, Jake Bobo. So, so you know, obviously, Lincoln Riley's there now with his uh, five hundred billion dollar contract or whatever it is. Um, but you look at it. I mean, it's it's legit insane to look at their starting offense um and the reason i say that is because 
they have, you know, a running back in Travis Dye who transferred from Oregon. Um, Big time is, speed. Yep. Yeah, is expected to start. Obviously, we know about one of their wide receivers, but their other two wide receivers are also um, transfers. Brendan Rice transferred from Colorado. So, yes, son of Jer- <laughs> Jerry Rice. Uh, and then Mario Williams, their other wide receiver, transferred from Oklahoma. Now, I think Williams is a... He's a sophomore. He's a true sophomore. He's right? a true sophomore. But you've got Jordan Addison, the Blitnikoff winner. He's coming in from Pitt. Everybody knows he's projected by many people to be a first-round pick. I know he didn't make the uh, NFS uh, scouting top 25 when we talked about that. But Addison comes in. He's immediately wide receiver one on this team. And that's expected to be, like you said, a high-power offense. You've got Gary Bryant Jr., who is, I believe, the second-leading receiver on the team last year behind Drake London. He was either the second-leading receiver or maybe it was Taj Washington, who is also back this year, a guy who transferred in from Memphis. So those three players are all draft-eligible, Addison, Bryant Jr., Washington, along with the guys you mentioned. This is a stacked receiving core. Uh, something that we, you know, it's stacked compared to any team outside of Ohio State and Alabama, right? This is a very deep receiving core, uh, especially with the transfers coming in. So USC, yeah. I think like I think what you said is 100% accurate. Athlon was giving respect to, the, to last year's Pac-12 champion by not just vaulting USC into the spot. USC's underwhelmed for many years but they've not had Lincoln Riley or a guy of that yeah. caliber as their coach. And and just, yeah, so like you said, they, they bring in, you know, Rice and and uh, Williams. They add, obviously, Addison, but, you know, Drake London, the eighth overall pick in the draft, um, finishes Tearing with... it up in, in training camp, too. From yeah, it finishes seen. with just under 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. Taj like Washington was, <laughs> yeah, in only eight games. Taj Washington was second on the team in receiving yards with 602. Mm-hmm. But Gary Bryant Jr., to your point, had just under 600 yards, 579, and seven touchdowns. Yeah. Like, and so, like, that's the thing is obviously Addison and London are different style players, but you, you, you figure you're going to get similar production out of Addison in the London role. Probably more. So now, honestly, I, I mean, so, just given that, well, yeah, because he's got an actual quarterback and and, and the thing that we heard offensive about, play and caller. The thing that we heard about Jordan Addison too is, uh, and and this came from the quarterback Caleb Williams. He said Addison is the best receiver he's played with. Remember Caleb Williams coming from Oklahoma, who, who has uh, some receivers who are no slouches there. He's right. He came out and said. Addison runs like 23 miles per hour on those GPS with when you got the chip in your shoulder pads. That is incredible speed. We've kind of been targeting Addison as like a mid 4-4-4-5 guy. He's probably faster than that. He's probably going to be a sub 4-4 guy. And like the spoiler said, Utah is number 1. Um you know, it's interesting, and like we said, I think it's one of those situations where I I do think it's just trying to show some respect from the team that just won it. Um, 
It'll they be got some ballers though. They do. They're they're very talented. Uh, I guess gritty is the one. I think they lost a lot on defense, which gives me pause for projecting them to win this division. And that's and that's the thing is that's where you know they've always hung their hat with Kyle Whittingham. You know, we talked about it last year. I thought. I thought Whittingham was one of the more underrated coaches when uh, PFF did that college football coach rating uh, because for whatever reason, he's got a bunch of guys. They they get a bunch of guys drafted, but it's not like it's not like he's got, you know, a bunch of first and second rounders. Like usually they're like late day two, day three type of guys. Right. Uh, but this team, you know, is led by Cameron Rising, the Texas transfer. Uh, he had a decent year last year. Like he's a he's he played a nice... really well against Ohio State in that Rose Bowl game, um, with his legs making plays. You know, I know a lot of guys sat out that game on both teams, but um, I I was impressed with him. And uh, you look at the twenty touchdowns, only five picks, and then almost five hundred yards. Almost seven yards of carry and, and uh, six rushing touchdowns. Yeah, so I mean, he's a guy that you look at as as a legitimate dual threat. Uh, they have a and running. He's got back good again. size, right? He's six three, two fifteen, two twenty ish, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another guy that we were kind of surprised, um, you know, last year it, that, and again, you know, maybe it's the COVID thing. I I don't know. Um, but Tavian Thomas, he's another one of those giant backs that, yeah. that Utah always seems to have, right? Like one of those guys and maybe he just hasn't gotten the, the feedback that he wanted. Uh, but I was really surprised to see him come back. He's going to be in his fifth year. He'll be a fifth year junior. this year. <laughs> um, I love these pac 12 listings. 21 touchdowns last year, though. And the the way you know this guy's good, he was recruited by Ohio State, too. <laughs> He's a big boy, <laughs> man. 6'2", six, six, two, 220. Again, I'm more surprised that he didn't go pro last year. Well, the weird and- thing is he had only two receptions the entire year, and we know that's a sticking point in a lot of these evaluations. Um, famously with Jonathan Taylor, like people are like, oh, okay, catch the ball. They didn't trust what their eyes saw. I know with Tavian Thomas, like, how how can you really project it when a guy only has two passes uh, for three yards for the entire season? It's kind of ridiculous. Hopefully he gets involved in the passing game a little bit more because I think he, he probably can do it. To me, a running back catching a pass isn't like a, a challenging skill to learn. You look at their their offense, uh, they're they're boosted by two good tight ends, Dalton Kincaid and and Brent uh, Keith Keithy, Keithy, and you know it's interesting that that this team, and I think it I think it's going to be a fun juxtaposition to watch because they're like the antithesis of uh, of USC, right? They're like, right. They're yeah. like load up on on offense. Um, or on on big guys and and run at you short controlled passes, um, and then let their defense win games. Um, you know, Keith, you he's kind of like the H back type, and then 
Kincaid's the big what six seven guy. These are both gonna be twenty four year olds when by the time they get to the NFL. But what you're saying is one hundred percent correct. Like this is a Smash Mouth team, and their main competitor is gonna be a finesse speed team. Uh, it's kind of like the Ohio State Michigan rivalry light, you know, because Ohio State's gonna be that speed finesse team in the Big Ten, and Michigan's going to try and beat them by, with smash mouth. And it worked last year. So and, and, and likewise, Utah was able to do it last year and win this conference. It's going to be interesting because their defense, like you said, they have, of, of 11 starters, eight of them are sophomores or younger now. Yeah, and they lost their big play guy, Devin Lloyd. But they do have a big play guy coming back. And that's cornerback Clark Phillips. Yeah, Clark Phillips. They transferred in um, a guy to replace Lloyd, which is always interesting to me, right? Um, a Florida transfer, a big guy, Mohammed uh, Diabete. Um, and so, you know, he, he's 6'4", 220. Um, so, you know, he's going to come in and probably be the guy on, on defense for them, replacing uh Lloyd, like you said, like and the guy huge shoes that's to had, fill. I mean, because Lloyd right, I, knew this defense so well, he could do anything in it. Right. So that'll be interesting to kind of follow and watch, because, like I said, the rest of them, they're young, man. They're yeah. they're super young. I um, think they're really going to lean on Clark Phillips too. Um, Thirteen pass breakups last year. He's a little guy though, five ten, one eighty four. He's going to play outside for them, but he's going to project maybe to the nickel, maybe to to the slot as a pro, but, um, you know, he's one of these guys who just really plays bigger than he is. And so I feel like he's going to be like a second or third round pick because some, you know, coaching staff's going to fall in love with him. He runs really well. He's just small. He's never going to get any bigger. No, he's not. And, and that's the hard part. So you look at it and you just kind of go from there. Um, You got any uh, anything else on any of these guys? Obviously, we're going to discuss um, our sleepers. And, and guys, you know, we talk about the sleepers every week. The Patreon's great for that. We have great guys, uh, you know, kind of like guys to get to know every week. Um, we're going to be really honest with you this week. This week, it's it's much much deeper these are are real sleepers we are going to give you a sign up for the patreon two bucks a month you get the bonus episodes if you sign up now you you can go back and look at all the bonus episodes that we've ever done and we're going to be on a uh, bonus episode 69 this week and uh yeah we've got some real sleepers serious sleepers coming up yeah, and we'll head out of here with an interesting hot take. This is not about this year, but Justin and I had a lot of questions, a lot of questions heading into the 2022 NFL draft. And it's week one of training camp, so we can only... <laughs> Perfect time to have a definitive take. Right, we can only go with what we hear so far, but... uh Things in Pittsburgh are not going as people had hoped. 
Um, That's a shame. Kenny Pickett on Saturday didn't complete a pass in the first team period of the day. He would have been sacked twice through another too low and had his last attempt batted down at the line of scrimmage. That's coming off the day before where he threw um, quite the uh, quite the interception. <laughs> um, you can call it what it is. It was, uh, uh, I believe the kids called it a duck. Yeah. So, you know, it's been, it, it's been tough. Um, it doesn't mean anything right now, but that's always going to be an interesting to follow. Like a top 20 pick, I mean, obviously 20th pick, but like a top 20 pick on a quarterback. That the first had one, quarterback picked in the draft. With one year of success. Like, it's just, again, there's no definitive things. It's a week in the camp. Like, it is what it is. Well, the thing is, Seth, he's 24. He turned 24 in June. Happy birthday, Kenny. Um, He's competing with Mitch Trubisky, who was overdrafted when he came out, who his team let him go. He went and was a backup for Buffalo for a year. He got a free agent deal, a very modest one from from Pittsburgh. And these two guys are competing with Mason Rudolph, who was what like quarterback six or seven in that 2018 draft, that included uh, Darnold, Mayfield, Rosen, and of course Lamar Jackson. And Mason Rudolph is kind of running away with this competition. And what does that say? I mean, that's the early read on this. Mason Rudolph is running away with this competition. If you that's are always. drafting a 24-year-old rookie uh, in the top 20, uh, you have high expectations. And unfortunately for Pittsburgh fans, it's it's not looking great for Kenny Pickett. And uh, not to say it can't turn around. We're not doing a victory lap here right now. But I think what we're saying and what I think I stand by, or what I know I stand by, is that he sh- he was drafted too early. I don't think he was worth that pick. And I think Pittsburgh would have done better if they had taken Malik Willis at that pick if they were going to have a guy who was a little bit of a project who needed a little bit more time. Malik Willis certainly had more upside, more potential, more athleticism, and a stronger arm. And was younger. Yeah. Yep. So it'll be interesting to watch. Like we said, nothing definitive. It's just interesting right now. Uh, that'll be it from us. We'll be back later this week with another bonus episode of Sleepers to Watch in the Pac-12. Have a great night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know. Uh, Subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A a read, yeah. That's it. (laughs) Exactly.